Hello, hello, and welcome back to my podcast, Coffee with Carlin. Today's episode, episode number seven, is going to be about my solo travels. And I thought it would be fun to share 10 things that I learned during my solo travels. So let's brew our coffee and grab a snack and let's get started. I'm actually really excited to record this episode because I've been just writing down like the 10 things that um, I've learned throughout my travels and it's just gotten me really excited to kind of reflect back on this trip because it was just, it was honestly, I think, life-changing for me. But anyways, I have my cup of coffee this morning um, and I feel like the caffeine's starting to kick in. And again, actually for my snack, I have some green grapes because grapes are so yummy right now. They're just crunchy and crisp and mmm. So I think I'm going to start this episode by giving a bit of an overview of my solo travels, kind of where I went, and then maybe in between each thing, I'll kind of share the 10 things. I think that will be a fun way of doing it. So my big world travels actually started in November of 2018, which is so crazy to me to think of like how far away that was. That was almost two years ago in November, which still feels like yesterday. Um, So my mom and I actually went and joined my sister and brother-in-law. They were already overseas um, in Africa and we were meeting in Asia. So my mom and I started actually in Hong Kong. And um, it was actually really cool to go there, especially now I know that with COVID and stuff, people can't travel. But I know that Hong Kong has been dealing with a lot of political things. So I'm so grateful that we got to go before all of that happened. Um, And it was just a great way to kind of jump into travels. A lot of people in Hong Kong still actually speak English. There was this one um, little... Uh, I don't even know what you would call it, not restaurant, but it was kind of, um, they have stalls where they make their food. And so my mom and I saw that they made like these crepe type things. And the owner was an older gentleman and he only spoke, do they speak Cantonese there? This is going to sound really awful if they don't, but Either way, we couldn't speak the language he was speaking. And it looked like there was like a couple university kids there and they were so nice and were able to translate um, and we were able to order something. I think I got a crepe with fresh mangoes and holy crap, was it amazing. I actually wrote in a, I brought this little um, pocket notebook. And I actually wrote in it every day. So it's kind of fun to be able to remember almost every detail of what we did. And um, I honestly think that it was really cool for me. I mean, some days I was like, oh, I don't want to write in this. But um, just like how I was feeling, what we did. And um, so it looks like on day four, November 9th, is when we met up with my sister and my brother-in-law. And we met up in Bangkok, actually. And, um, oh yeah, the first day in Bangkok, we went to this huge market. It's called Chattachak Market. And we were there for four hours looking at like clothes and whatnot. And this was probably one of the best lunches I ever had. It was fried basil and chilies with chicken and rice. 
and it was 70 baht, so that's less than $3 Canadian. And uh, yeah, <laughs> that was a really good one. And they had these little kittens in the market. They were so cute. Oh, and then <laughs> I saw a huge fat rat in the market. I remember I was with my mom and I was like, okay, hey, let's go this way. And I think she saw the rat before I did. And I turned around and I was like, we're not going this way and ran. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of rats and that kind of stuff in Bangkok and just in those areas where there's food and all that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, we were in Bangkok for a couple days. Um, then we went to Chi Chi Chiang Mai, sorry. And I actually really liked Chiang Mai. It was definitely not as busy as uh, Bangkok. And it's, it's in Northern Thailand. And I, we took the train up there, it was actually really cool. And I definitely recommend taking a tuk-tuk. Those are always fun too. Um, sorry, I haven't gone through this yet. So um, we went to Phuket and then we went to Koi Yoi Noi, which is a beautiful island. And actually I had gotten really, really sick while we were here. So that was a big bummer. We were actually staying in a really nice place. Um, because my mom paid for it. Thanks, mom, if you're listening. Um, so I probably got sick in one of the nicest bathrooms you can get sick in in Thailand, and um, thank God for that. There was this market in um, Phuket, actually, I think it was, and I had to go to the bathroom really, really bad, and I found a bathroom, but it was like a squat toilet, and I, I sat down on it. I, I couldn't squat. I was just like, I have to go to the bathroom. I can't hold myself up. So yeah, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's not one of the 10 things, but you really learn that when you're really sick in a foreign place and you can't just use the toilet that you're used to, you make accommodations and some things that you were thought that you thought were gonna be unsanitary are sanitary because you just, you gotta go when you gotta go. <laughs> um, what else? Okay, and then we went to, back to Phuket, and then we went to Siem Reap, which is in Cambodia, and we mainly went to go to Angkor Wat, which was really, really cool. It was so hot, though. I mean, you're around all of these temples, and there's concrete or asphalt everywhere. It's very, very hot. So um, coming back now after Cambodia, we went to Vietnam and we went to Mune, which is actually a really pretty town, um, a nice resort we also stayed in. My sister actually arranged um, a cooking class and it was only... My mom stayed behind, so it was only my sister and my brother-in-law and me, and we were the only ones there. And um, we had a really nice lady, and she we met up with her at the cooking studio, and um, they took us to a local market where they get their food. And <laughs> it was definitely something different. I wrote a note here that says, saw lots of dead fish, shrimp, and frogs being cut up with scissors. 
And I wrote, got squirted on my legs from man cutting up huge fish. Ugh, gross. <laughs> and then they have these coffee beans that are eaten by squirrels. And then the people drink and brew the beans that they poop out, which is really gross. So um, we actually had a lot of fun um, eating the food that we made. I learned a lot actually in Asia that in their culture, if you don't eat the food, it's considered rude, which is so hard for me because especially at this time of my life, um, I was dealing with a lot of uh, sensitivities with eating different types of food and not knowing if my food's totally cooked and that kind of thing. So I was really sick most of this trip. And so I, my stomach, I feel like had shrunk. So I wasn't able to eat a lot of it, which I felt really, really bad. And um, in English, it doesn't, English to their language, it doesn't really transcribe that you're like, no, I actually really do like this food. It's just to them, um, it doesn't seem that way. Um, oh yeah, and then I got a really bad cold. <laughs> so the Asia trip more is just about how I wasn't feeling well, but it was still beautiful. Oh yeah, we went um, on the train from Munei to Ho Chi Minh City and it was probably one of the biggest rainstorms ever and um, the train actually got stuck on the track because we were in so much water and um, it was kind of freaky actually. It's like you see in those movies that everyone's stranded on this train and it's so true. Um, everyone's like kind of like, huh? And of course, we were one of the very few English-speaking people, so we couldn't figure out why the train had stopped. Luckily, we found a lady that was able to help us get a cab, and then we just stayed in a hotel there. And then, yeah, we kind of just ended off the trip all together in Ho Chi Minh. And then um, I left to Malaysia for my layover and then um, flew to Perth. Oh, yeah, it says, had drug dogs smell me through security. Yeah, so going into Australia, um, coming from Asia, it was actually really intimidating. Yeah, I had a really rough time coming into Perth. Um, I got ripped off by the exchange stuff, and I had to buy another SIM card. I guess I said no to t calls and texts and I didn't realize they were free. So I had to buy a whole nother SIM card to accommodate setting up Uber. So <laughs> that is definitely one of my tips is if you are going to be traveling alone um, for people like me who are from Canada, I think we pay one of the highest rates for having a cell phone. So to me, to go anywhere else in the country, bring my phone that's unlocked, make sure that's key that it's unlocked. You can just buy a SIM card and put it in your phone and you have data. And it's so much cheaper than what we pay here in Canada. But it's awesome, especially when you're alone. You know, you can have Uber, you can have a map so you don't get lost. You can still stay in touch with your family. I know my family was really nervous about me traveling alone. So I think having a phone with data was really reassuring for them. And also it was nice to talk to Peter on a regular basis because um, we didn't really have Wi-Fi in Asia much. So I wasn't actually really able to talk to him much on that. 
and I remember having the worst cold. This is probably one of the worst colds I'd ever had. Um, and of course, while I was traveling. So yeah, I landed in Perth, I believe in the morning. And luckily, um, I was able to check in early. And so I had a nap for what says three hours. Wow. And so I felt a lot better. Um, the hostel that I picked in Perth was actually a little outside the city center but it was still walking distance within everything. And I am someone that really loves flowers and I made it a goal of mine because um, the time that I was in Australia and New Zealand, it was like late spring, early summer for them, which is like my favorite time of the year. Flowers are in bloom and I wanted to see like different flowers. And I remember actually in Perth, one of the hills I was walking down from, from the botanical garden um, had these beautiful purple trees. I'm not exactly sure what they are um, called. I just wrote down almost similar to cherry blossom trees, but purple, and they smell so good. And um, yeah, so I just remember being blown away. I was just taking so many pictures, and it was actually a bit cooler, obviously, from in being in Asia. It was so hot there and the wind, and actually, so this botanical garden I went to was called King's Park Botanical Garden, and it's kind of on a hill, and um, it's really beautiful there, really, really beautiful, highly recommend going there, it's free, you can walk around, lots of blossoms, and um, another thing that um, is another thing I learned about myself, I guess it's not necessarily um, a tip I have for everyone, but um I learned that I am an introvert and I had to work really, really hard to become an extrovert. I found that meeting people in hostels was actually really, really difficult. A lot of people are so self-absorbed into their own plans, um, into their own phones. Like that was kind of the downside of having my own phone, texting my own family, my like Peter and that kind of thing. So it is harder to be able to connect with people. So that was definitely something I had to slowly learn over time. Oh yeah, so um, there, another tip that I have is not all tourist destinations are worth visiting. So there's this island in Rotnest. Oh, sorry, it's called Rotnest Island. And... Um, I think on like all travel blogs, Google highly recommends that people go here. And don't get me wrong, it is beautiful, but it's such a money grab. You have to get up early first off and take a ferry to the island, which I think is about an hour long. And um, then there's like a bus on Rottnest Island. So you can take the bus all the way around or you can ride a bike. A lot of people are riding bikes, but... I'm so thankful I didn't rent the bike. I would have been exhausted. And there's about, I think, 10 stops you can get off at. And there's like a bus that goes by every half hour to an hour. So if you are going to get off, you have to really decide, am I going to be in this spot for an hour? There was one spot that I got off for almost two hours and I just laid in the sun and it was really, really nice. The water um, at Ronis Island is a beautiful color. But again, it's one of those things that 
it's almost built up so much that you expect more. So I was kind of disappointed and I think I spent like almost $200 to go on this trip, which to me that didn't seem worth it. So that's definitely tip number three that I learned. Not all tourist destinations are worth visiting. They're hyped up. I recommend a lot of hostels have like a brochure wall. And I actually found a lot more cool places to visit just by looking at that rather than what Google and travel blogs recommend. Because a lot of what Google and travel blogs say is all sponsored content. So yeah, I was a little disappointed in that. But um, in Perth, I was in Perth for several days and I'm actually really glad I was because out of Melbourne and Perth, they were the only two places I visited in Australia. Um, Perth was by far my favorite. Um, it's just not as touristy there. It's on the other side of Australia and people were so nice. And the beaches are beautiful. My goodness, I went and took the train. The train actually in Perth is super, super easy to take. It's almost like a, a, a main form of transportation, kind of like how the SkyTrain is in Vancouver, um, but it's on the floor, on the ground. <laughs> so I took a train to Cotsolo, which is like one of the very recommended beaches. I was one of the only ones there. And I remember they had this ledge where people were laying on the grass and I'm like what the heck I'm gonna lay on the beach <laughs> and then soon enough I figured out that you want to be on the grass and not the beach because I was getting sand in my eyes because it was so windy um but yeah it was a nice fluffy white clean sand that's the big difference about Australia beaches and Asian beaches so I was very very happy to find that um, it was another beautiful day. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I wrote that I couldn't tolerate the sand being in my face. Oh, yeah, I remember I went to a restaurant in this little cute little town. Um, and this was probably the first experience I had eating at a restaurant by myself. And I remember um, feeling that the waiter was kind of like, uh, what are you doing here by yourself? Because... I find that at least I didn't see many girls traveling alone. And it's almost like, why are you alone? I know that's kind of weird. Um, but yeah, I got a pizza and it was really good. And this was the first time I actually went to a grocery store. So in Asia, we usually just ate at like um, one of those little stalls that people made food. But obviously they don't do that in Australia. So I went to a supermarket um, because I was realizing how expensive it was to, I think the pizza I got was like $30 for lunch. It wasn't, wasn't that good. But uh, so I went to the supermarket, just browsed, kind of got some, oh, that's so funny. This is when I got my water bottle that I still have. And I got, oh yeah, mint Tim Tams. Those are so good if you love mint and you like Tim Tams, delish. And a five pack of hot and spicy noodles. That was like my main meal a lot through this part of traveling alone. And um, so I went 
to rot nest the next day. And I saw kukas, which were cool, but it's kind of scary. They don't, they're not scared of people. So, <laughs> um, and then I went to Caversham Wildlife Park the next day and it was so cool. Um, I didn't actually do any research to see if, I'm pretty sure that all the animals in this wildlife park were in rehabilitation, rehabilitation. So um, I don't think a lot of these animals chose to be here, but they were all in big openings and um, I got to feed and touch kangaroos, which was so cool. But looking back now, I don't know if that was good or bad. And oh, I realized that I love koalas. They're so funny. They had like a bunch of signs and I got like this place was just so educating and it was really cool. And um, I got to take a picture and hold a koala. They're so soft. And then the next day, um, oh yeah. So this is another tip that I have. It's worth splurging for a four bunk room than a 10 bunk room in a hostel. So I flew to Melbourne the next day and I, um, I think it was a 10 or a 12 bunk room because really it was all that was available. And holy crap, in Perth, I was in a four bunk room and it was so nice and quiet. I mean, yeah, some people, when people will come in at night, they're loud, but having four bunks instead of 10, holy crap, that room was massive first off. And it was so hot and everyone is just like in the nightlife. I was not there for the nightlife. So having the four bunk room was a lot better. I think it was maybe $20 more for the four bunk room. And I highly recommend it if you are someone that likes your sleep. Because I didn't, of course, the one bed that was left when I got to Melbourne, it was at night. And um, I couldn't figure out which bed because like, I think there was only one bed that was left and I couldn't see which one it was. And I had to make my bed in the dark. And yeah. Ah, it was a rough start to Melbourne. Yeah, it says here I got to the hostel at 2 a.m. <laughs> but a lot of the hostels, I will have to say, I was like really pleasantly surprised. Living in Victoria for several years, um, I think there was only like two that were downtown and they looked disgusting, whereas these ones were really, really nice. And so in Melbourne, I went to another botanical garden and um, just enjoyed the flowers um it said that jet lag was really kicking in i think there was like a three or four hour difference between perth and melbourne so or melbourne is what they say um melbourne was really really hard for me this is kind of when the homesickness was kicking in i was so sick that i just wanted to go home i was really debating whether or not to go home that's kind of like another tip so I had actually written this as tip number 11. So the bonus tip was like, don't let the feeling of homesickness bring you down. Um, 48 hours in Melbourne, I wanted to cancel the trip because I missed Peter so badly. I missed home so badly. And um, I will say I'm just so grateful that I didn't cave into that. I actually went shopping. Um, the hostel I was in had like a big shopping area and I just shopped. I honestly... Just tried on things, felt good about myself, um, got some tourist things, 
and um, I went and watched the sunset, and I just packed and showered and went to bed. So I was only in Melbourne, I think, for two days, and I'm really grateful for that because I'm glad I stayed in Perth longer because I actually liked Perth a lot more. But it's funny talking to some people that I met later on. Um, they loved Melbourne, but they never went to Perth. So I was like, there you go. Um, so I went to the airport to go to Auckland, actually. And of course, I got randomly selected for drug testing again. I guess I just looked like someone. I mean, I was on drugs. I was on cold medicine, but <laughs> I don't know. I took Air New Zealand and I really liked it. I was actually in the middle seat and it was super comfortable and they had a screen on the TV. It was awesome. So I got 10 gigabytes for 50 New Zealand dollars. 50 New Zealand dollars is very, very similar to Canadian. So it was like $50 Canadian basically. Oh yeah, gas was $2.05 a liter there. So I know a lot of people go to New Zealand and they rent like um, a camper van and whatnot. And I do remember reading because I was thinking about doing that. My family did not want me to do that, which totally understandable. Um, but it's just so expensive, like $2.05 a liter. And you're driving a van that's not very good on gas. So they say it's very, very expensive. So I spent um, the first day in Auckland just kind of getting everything organized for the rest of my trip. The weather was a lot colder than I had expected and being in Asia and Australia, I didn't have many warm clothes. So I bought some sweatpants and capris for the colder weather. And then I went, so um, another tip that I have, stray travel bus. Um, they're based out of New Zealand and Australia. I went with them for when I was in New Zealand for like my transportation and um, meeting people. And basically that was probably one of the best decisions I made. It was definitely expensive, but I booked this months in advance. I had been watching and they have certain passes that go on sale. So I would recommend if you're going to do something like that, it's like a hop on, hop off kind of bus um, it's definitely worth watching for sales because they have sales all the time. I think I signed up for their emails and that's kind of how you can tell when they go on sale and kind of just write down the price of their normal price and then kind of justify the price. And also it's smarter to buy it in advance because then you're not spending your travel budget while you're traveling. But again, some people bought it last minute that were on the bus. And yeah, it still worked for them. The only downside I had with this straight travel bus is that some of the locations you stay in, there's only one type of accommodation and it can actually be really, really expensive. But again, that's just something to know before you go into that. So I started in the North Islands, um, Auckland's in the North Islands. And we went to Hahe. And it was beautiful there. Um, and then this is kind of where I got to start to meet people. And then we went to Rotorua, which smells really bad. <laughs> um, they have like the, oh, what's it called? The thermal pool. So like all of that smells. Yeah. 
Oh, and I met this Scottish couple, and they were so sweet to me. They, like, took me in under their wing. <laughs> they, I would have Scottish tea and biscuits with them. Or, sorry, English breakfast tea with biscuits. Oh, they were so nice. And then the nice thing, too, about this stray is they had an app. So um, you could book a couple days in advance. So they require that you book 24 hours in advance for your accommodations, for your excursions, that kind of thing. So it's kind of nice to be able to um, look in advance, kind of plan like the things you want to do and like also just see what other people that you're friends with are going to do as well. And the other thing I want to say too is you don't have to do an excursion. I felt like in the beginning I really felt like I had to do an excursion, but you don't have to. And then we went to a lake Ani Hanua, I think is what it is. Oh yeah, so this place was actually really cool. It was um, it was a place where we learned about the cultural aspect of New Zealand and kind of the background and just like learning more about what this culture and these people have gone through. And it was really interesting to learn and also they performed the haka for us which was really really cool and then we went off to blue duck ranch or something like that blue duck station which i got to go for a ride on a horse this was like heaven for me it was so beautiful out there we didn't have any power though for like a whole night i remember now i do find that again this is where the introvert part of me comes in a lot of the people that were on stray bus or even just traveling, were quite younger than I was. So I was 24, and a lot of these people were 18 or 19. So I had a bit of a hard time. I'd already got all my partying years out, so um, I was basically just having a cider a night, just trying out all the ciders. Oh my God, all the ciders in New Zealand are so yummy and fruity and delicious. Definitely recommend having cider in New Zealand. God, I wish I got more and tried more. But yeah, I had a hard time once um, Helen and Angus actually left. Uh, I didn't have anyone else to hang out with, but it was okay. It was good for me to hang out with myself and just have a good time. Um, so we got to Wellington and I went to the Botanical Gardens there. And uh, Oh yeah, they had a fragrance section of heliotrope, which is my favorite. Another thing that I will say too is a lot of people are really fake. Like there was this one girl that I met and she was going to go to the botanical garden with me, but then she'd rather hang out with someone else and then they try to invite me. And I was like, you know what? I want to go to the botanical gardens. I'm going to go by myself because I know I can rely on myself. And they ended up bailing or something and doing something else. And I think I found out that she didn't even do anything. She just stayed at the hostel because they bailed on her. So I was like, mm, suit yourself. So we took the ferry over to the South Island, which, wow, the South Island literally reminded me of British Columbia with the mountains and the ocean. It was just so beautiful. I felt like I was at home. Um... I met a new girl named Gabby, and she was really, really nice. She was an American, so we um, got to kind of bond on that. And we were in Abel Tasaman. 
oh yeah, we got to stay in these yerk tents, which were really cool and really comfy. Um, Gabby was actually in the tent with me, so we got to hang out a bit, and that was really fun. And we tried, I think I tried like three or four times to go skydiving, and each time it was too windy, which was a bit of a bummer because I really, really wanted to go. And then we went to Wanaka. And I don't know if people have seen the picture of the tree in the lake, but that is Lake Wanaka. So that was really cool. And actually, this was the first mixed gender hostel room that I had stayed in. I didn't realize that was a thing until I traveled that you could have it be like all girl or all boy or mixed. I personally stayed in all girl. I just felt more comfortable with that. But I mean, a lot of people do mix as well. So that was a bit weird, um, but I knew the guys that were in the room and I knew that they were really nice, so I wasn't super uncomfortable with that. And then on the way to Queenstown, so Queenstown is kind of like the adventure capital of at least the South Island, but I think of all of New Zealand as well. And I got to fly a plane. It was so cool. Um, my instructor was super awesome and I got to do like a steep turn stunt and felt like the g-force which was so cool um, So that was really really fun. And then the next day I finally 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 got to go skydiving and it was amazing So so amazing. Uh, it was awesome and then in Queenstown What else did I do? Oh yeah, I went to Doubtful Sound. Another thing that I feel like was really, really hyped up. So there's Doubtful Sound and then there's another sound that I chose Doubtful Sound because it wasn't supposed to be as touristy. Um, and I was a little disappointed to be honest. It, to me, it was very, very similar to BC. So I could see how for other people in the world, it would be beautiful. And don't get me wrong, it was beautiful, but it was exactly like BC. So to me, I'm like, la, yawn, I've already seen this. <laughs> still beautiful though, and it's still worth it. I'm glad I went. And then on Christmas Eve, actually, we went to Mount Cook. And this was probably one of my favorite stops. I'm a mountain girl, so um, it was beautiful to see all of the mountains. And um, on the drive, there's so many lupins. I don't know if you've seen pictures of New Zealand where they have all these flowers. They're like purple and pink, and they're actually quite invasive to New Zealand, and a lot of the locals don't like them. But my God, they're beautiful. Rangitata it was the next stop. There was a lot of rafting, but I, did, I decided not to do the rafting because I was starting to run low on money a little bit. And um, then we went to Christchurch and I basically said goodbye to the stray bus. Um, I was flying out of Christchurch actually. So I spent a couple days in Christchurch and I got my nose pierced in Christchurch. I did it. Um, and I'm so happy I did it. And it's kind of fun that I got my nose pierced in New Zealand. Like, that's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, I did it by myself. And it was really thrilling. <laughs> oh, yeah, I went to the Quake Museum. So um, New Zealand had a pretty bad earthquake several years prior to when I was there. Specifically Christchurch. And so um, it was cool to be able to learn about it. 
um, having the background of geography. I find that kind of stuff very interesting. I went to the Botanical Gardens in Christchurch, and it was really, really beautiful. A lot of the dahlias and hydrangeas and roses were in full bloom. And basically cooked my last meal in a hostel. And I was able to meet up with the Scottish couple and kind of have our last night together. And I had to walk to their hostel, which was quite a bit of ways from mine. And one thing that was really spooky about Christchurch is that a lot of it has been vacant. Since the earthquake, a lot of people um, moved out of the town and a lot of buildings were kind of just boarded up and haven't been touched since the earthquake. And so it was a little spooky actually walking through some areas because I was pretty much the only person there, which is kind of freaky. So um, sadly, I flew to Auckland in the morning and had a layover and then flew to San Francisco and then flew home to Vancouver. And that's the last page I have in this journal. So that's really fun that I wrote in that every day um, to kind of be able to reflect back on the trip. So um, let me sum up the 10 things and then I will end there. So the first thing I learned while traveling for two months is that I can actually live out of a small backpack for two months. Um, it's funny, the other day I actually wore one of the pants that I had bought specifically for this trip and it was kind of weird. It was like, well, flashback to traveling, but um, I, I'm kind of wanting to do an episode on what I packed for this trip and kind of the things I really, really used compared to the things that I didn't. I watched so many videos and read so many travel blogs to try and make sure that I wasn't overpacking or underpacking. And um, yeah, it'd be really fun maybe to kind of share my experience with that. Um, number two is that you don't have to plan every aspect of the trip. Now, I am a big planner, so this was kind of a thing that I didn't do that I learned that I can be more open to. So some important things like booking hostels and having a general idea of where you want to travel to, I feel like is important. But I wouldn't do it so far in advance that if you want to extend your stay in a place um, or you want to leave early, you have that flexibility to be able to do that. Tip number three, it's always worth splurging for the four bed bunk room than the 10 bed bunk room in a hostel. I highly, highly recommend this, unless obviously you can't get a four bunk room and there's only 10 bunk rooms, especially if you are booking last minute, then you can do it, but it's definitely worth it. You don't have to worry about as many people turning on the light, being really loud. And I also, another thing I recommend is making sure that your room has a locker that you can lock your stuff or a big enough locker that you can fit all of your stuff. Um, it always made me feel a little bit safer. So tip number four, I learned that I am an introvert and had to work really hard to become an extrovert. Um, big, big one for me. And um, it was nice to be able to push myself out of that comfort zone. And I made some really good friends because of that. 
Tip number five, straight travel bus was one of the best decisions I made while in New Zealand for transportation and meeting people and just a way to travel the whole country in a shorter time frame. Um, number six, buy food to make yourself to use in the kitchens and hostels. A lot of hostels have so many plates and spoons and cutlery and like all that kind of thing that you need. So um, it's way cheaper and it kind of gives you that sense of having a home cooked meal. I know that really helped um, with the homesickness and just making like pasta with rem some red tomato sauce um, always made me feel better. Tip number seven, bring your phone and make sure it's unlocked so that you can buy a SIM card and you can have data and whatnot. This was a really nice way for me to stay in contact with my family, with Peter, and with your new friends that you make to be able to meet up. And it was also really nice to have a map so I could um, be able to figure out where the heck I was and not get lost. Tip number eight is not all tourist destinations are worth visiting. I had already mentioned that. Um, check out the hostels brochures. There's a lot of cool places there. Um, a lot of the touristy places are very, very expensive. And especially when you're traveling alone, you can't really split the cost with anyone. So um, just be sure that's kind of what you want to do. And it's not what travel blogs are telling you what to do. Tip number nine is to use Uber or other forms of similar transport for to and from the airport. So I only do say this for just to and from the airport because sometimes some of the flights I had were really late at night and sometimes the buses only go for so long and getting through customs and whatnot can actually take a really long time, especially when it's not your home country. So it's worth paying that extra to be able to get to your hostel faster and also not only that, to get to go to sleep faster. Um, I really liked having Uber, especially being alone, to have the GPS map to fall, follow so I knew I was going to the right place. And you know how long the ride is going to be. Um, one of the couples I talked to on the trip, they took the bus and they said that the bus took almost two hours to get to when it would have just been a half an hour uber ride and so um, sometimes the buses take really long or you miss the bus and tip number 10 is to give yourself a break to enjoy the moment try not to plan too far in advance um, give those extra days for yourself to just relax um, traveling can be pretty exhausting especially with all the time changes the different room changes um, and all that. So it was really nice to be able to spend several days specifically in Perth and have no plans. Just wake up and kind of figure out what you're going to do that day. And the last and bonus tip number 11 or thing number 11 was don't let the feeling of homesickness bring you down. I had the time of my life and I know it was only a month really of traveling solo, but it was so game changer for me. And it was awesome to feel that I could do all of this on my own and that I was basically an independent person. Um, and it was just so much fun. And I can't wait until I can go traveling again, which probably won't be for a long time given COVID and being a student. Um, 
I definitely want to travel maybe to a country that English isn't the first language to really challenge myself. But I will say that maybe if you are thinking of traveling solo and it's going to be your first time, um, traveling to an English-speaking place was really helpful. Um, you didn't feel so alone and it was easier to be able to ask people questions and know that they're understanding you. But that's kind of the whole gist of my solo travels. I had so much fun and I can't wait until I can travel again. So I hope you enjoyed this episode and I am sorry that a lot of my episodes are kind of all over the place. I kind of just like to chat and I'm sorry if it's confusing, but I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you have any questions or comments about this podcast episode, please do head over to my Coffee with Carlin Instagram page and comment or DM me over there. I would love to hear from you. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. Have a wonderful weekend. Take care. Thanks so much. Bye-bye.